thank you. <laughs> Did everybody hear that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's uh, I think it's probably a new security thing, so it doesn't get recorded, sort of uh, hidden recording. So mm. wonderful. Well, um, I'm just going to ask Elspeth to pray for us, and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll crack on. Thank you. Yeah, Father, it's uh, we come together again with joy to be uh, mm. before your presence mm. together. Thank you for family. Thank you for brothers mm. and sisters in Christ. And and Father, as we uh, seek tonight to. Uh, find the ways mm. to um, really get even closer to you through listening to sermons mm. in the best way possible. Father, uh, just minister to us um, and Christian Ian as they lead us. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you. So as I was uh, hinting in my invitation, um, it struck me... Can I encourage you all to just mute yourselves? Um, so um, it just makes it easier for people listening. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of unmute maybe a little bit later on. As I was hinting a few weeks back, I, I did wonder about the amount of sermons I've heard in, in my time of being in church. And proportionally just how little transformation has happened as a result of the sermon and the more I pondered on it I thought I wonder if I can do things better as a sermon listener in order to to get more and experience more of that sense of transformation so that's what provoked um, what we're going to look at tonight and as a backdrop um, I'd love for us to look at the parable of the sower um, so that's kind of the backdrop of, of, of the message, and it's found um, in Luke chapter 8. So I'm going to read it to us. Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among stones, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, other seeds fell on the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and Jesus said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing 
they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word of their, from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy and when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and persevering produce a crop. Is that last, last bit? Hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. And then jumping to verse 18, therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think be taken from them. Consider carefully how you listen. So it's clear from Jesus's parable that we have a snatching or a choking enemy who hates the word of God. So therefore, every single time the word of God is being delivered through a sermon, and I'm going to call it a sermon. Loads of people nowadays in church circles refer it to talks, refer it to messages. I just think it's a sermon because it's very, very unique. It's far more than a talk and then a message. It is a unique thing. And we have an enemy who's looking to snatch the message that God wants to provide through a sermon. Of course, God speaks to us in our personal reading of the Bible. He speaks to us in our small group connections. He speaks to us as we read and listen. But I think he has a particular way of speaking to the people who belong to a gathering of believers in a local setting, who under the authority of God's word and the anointing of the spirit are there to receive a message from him. We live in an overloaded world where a lot of us are suffering from spiritual ADD. We read a lot, we think a lot, we have a lot of conversations, stuff we follow on social media uh, talks, we uh, follow on podcasts, on YouTube. So there's a lot of information, spiritual information coming our way. How do we make sure that we don't get overloaded and actually retain very little of what's important? I even wonder whether sometimes we're intimidated we can take it for granted they're in the same place. I remember the first time I, I uh, sat in a car and my driving instructor was explaining to me um, how, how things work and how my brain comprehended, but the rest of my body wasn't reacting to what the information that I received. And I think sometimes we as Christians are just like that. And for those of us who've been longer in the faith, we begin to forget what it was like, how intimidating it was when we first came into church and other people seemed to know the scriptures much better than we did. And references were being made to about things that we didn't know anything. And it was probably not visible, but if it would have been visible, it would have looked like Joey and friends just nodding along 
to, to certain jokes and certain references that were being made without the realization that we didn't have a clue what people were talking about. So that's why I just want to give us some tools that I think work for me. So they will be highly personal, but I'm sure that most of the things would be connected and helpful to, to all of us. We're standing on good ground because all scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness so that we would be, as God's servants, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I have an incredibly strong confidence in God's word. In fact, I have nothing without God's word. I have nothing to give. It is only God's word, but it is powerful. It's comprehensive. It's such a good thing. So how can we prepare? I'm going to give you six things that I think would be helpful for me as I'm preparing for a, um, a, a listening to a sermon in one of our Sunday gatherings. Uh, the first one is this expectation. As I said to you before, I have this deep conviction that God's word under the anointing of God's spirit is dynamite in bringing change in our lives. There is nothing in this world that can change me, change my thoughts, and ultimately, as we looked last week, my deeds like the word of God. So therefore, because I have this confidence, I have a high expectation that when I'm coming and hearing God's word, it will help me change. That expectation means that I also realize my shortcomings. So that means that through the week, I have a sense of holy dissatisfaction. I look at my life and I can see the gaps. And that creates that desperation and hunger for transformation. I see where I fall short. I see where I'm ill-equipped. I see where I am not worshiping Jesus. I see where I'm not treating people in the right way. I see where the idols of this world are taking ground in my life. And that creates a holy dissatisfaction and a hunger for transformation. So it needs to start with an expectation. It needs to start with a desperation. It needs to have that sense in which I am praying for my mind and my heart to be receptive all throughout the week. I am pleading with God. I am saying, God, I am not happy with the way things are. And I want that change. I want what you have to offer to me. And I'm also praying for the preacher's preparation. So it's praying for both of us. It's praying for, for myself and also praying for the person that's bringing God's word, that they will hear the voice of God, that they would, as they labor with a word, that they would receive the very word of God for us right now. So expectation is a big thing. Thinking if I'm coming and I'm less fair about it, I'm very likely to get very little out of it. If I'm not coming after a week of feeling that holy dissatisfaction in my heart, I'm going to come and cross my arms like a spectator, saying to the preacher, entertain me. That's not what God is looking for. Expectation, the first one. The second thing is preparation. I would say it helps to read the passage beforehand. And as you read the passage beforehand, I usually ask two questions. Uh, one is the wow, and one is the what. 
usually I kind of see something in there that just jumps at me and I go, wow, this is great. It, it might not be great. It might be a convicting thing, but it's still great. I love convicting things. Um, or it can, could be an encouraging thing and you go, wow, this is great. What I'm seeing here of God is beautiful. Or there might be something in it that you think, what on earth is this about? I haven't got a clue. I'm looking forward to Sunday to try to get a little bit of wisdom. So it does help if you read a passage beforehand. The, the other thing is in terms of preparation, prioritize and plan your attendance. You're likely to get a lot out of the sermon if you're actually going to plan to be there and to prioritize to be there. The other thing with preparation, I find this very hard, and I'm sure some of you do as well. Try to close the drawer on distractions. You know, there's this you know, stuff at the back of our mind that we're coming into church. And I'm thinking, you know, what if that, you know, bit of the car that's broken can't be fixed? Or what if that job interview that's coming up on Thursday, you know? And I think it's really important to bring them before the Lord as we looked last week, to, to surrender those things, but to sort of make that willing decision to say, I'm going to devote my attention when I'm coming to church to actually listen to what God has to say. And as well, part of the preparation, sadly, there are a lot of people who would say, I'm not really engaged in the rest of the service. I just want to get on with a word. I think the act of worship that is part of the rest of the service through prayer, through singing, as we focus on who God is, is such an incredibly powerful part of the preparation for our heart to hear the voice of God. It's really, really important. I cannot tell you how many times I just think that the, the sense of a great time of worship had soften our hearts to hear the voice of God. It's almost as, the, as if the ground was prepared. As we beheld his glory, our hearts were ready to hear his voice. So I think that preparation is essential. So expectation, preparation. Number three, when we're in there, when we're in the service, attention. And it's, it's simple stuff. But I would say, take your Bible with you. And you can take whatever form you like. I'll tell you a secret. Although I absolutely love a paper Bible, just for ease of visibility with a font and everything else, I also love my digital Bible on the iPad. I also use it for my study, so I've got stuff underlined there. It doesn't really matter. You know, I genuinely think it doesn't really matter. I think it's important to have a Bible that you open up. If, if you have one that's paper and you love it, bring it with you. It's fantastic to be able to have it open and follow the passage. Look into the passage. The preacher can be absolutely dull and rubbish. You can still read the passage and meditate upon it. You've got my permission to do that as the preacher whenever I'm preaching. If you sense that, you know, you're not hearing anything, just read the passage. That's fine. That's okay. That's ultimately the, the main aim for the word of God to get, get engaged with our hearts. So take your Bible with you. It's a really important thing. And I would say to people, get, get into the habit of carrying your Bible with you 
it's really, really good. The second thing as part of the attention is take notes. If you can, you might not be a note taker. I understand that. But even if you aren't a note taker, even if you scribble the three main points on a piece of paper or in a notebook, you may be amazed just how much easier it is to focus. Um, and then you also got something you can look back to. When it comes to connect group and you're thinking, oh, I haven't got a clue, I can't remember what it was all about. You can just pull out the notes and they could be incredibly helpful. It's a practice I've taken on in, in my very early teens. And I think it's helped me immensely as a teenager with a very short attention span. But it's been a, a wealth of treasures I could use later on. Some of my first sermons that I preached were very much inspired by things I have learned and I could refer back to and I can use those materials. So take some notes. They might be good. And watch your gadgets. Um, yeah, just just make sure that you don't have temptations, you know, that could distract you from the sermon. Uh, and yeah, that's 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 a given. So attention during the sermon. The next thing is application. I think for me, if I was to speak to young preachers, I would say this is the one thing that bugs me more than anything else in, in some good preaching that I hear around is that actually there's a, there's a lot of theory, but it doesn't land home with us. And I've even heard a school of thought that say, you know what, we're not going to preach any application in our sermons because it's up for people to figure that out. What I found in, in, in my life and ministry as a pastor, it is one of the things that people struggle most is connecting the dots between the, the teaching that they understand and like and subscribe to, to how it relates to real life situation, how you bridge that gap of applying it. And that's why I think it's important to preach application, but it's important to listen for application. So as I would be listening to a preacher, I would ask this question, God, what are you saying to me? Never mind what you're saying to other people or the church. What are you saying to me today? Because I want to hear your voice. That's my expectation. And I would ask, what is God saying to me now in this season? What does this mean, this passage for me right now, in the circumstances I mean? Also, I'm asking myself, Lord, what do I need to start to do in my life as a result of this message? What are you encouraging me towards? And also, what do I need to stop? Lord, what are you convicting me of? So what is God saying to me practically? And how is that going to look like when I get home? when I turn up at my workplace tomorrow morning. This is a, an incredibly important thing to have that sense of bridging the connection between the theory of the teaching and the personal application of that in our lives. James 2.22 puts it like this, do not be merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves, do what it says. That's a strong word there. Do not merely listen to the word and you deceive yourselves. It's a dangerous place to be. Where we're simply listeners without being doers. So that's some of the stuff I would have at the back of my mind as I'm listening to the sermon. Lord, what are you saying to me? The next one would be reflection. 
So that's a little bit what I would do when I get back home. So maybe on a Sunday afternoon or on a Sunday evening or early on in the beginning of the week. Reflection, looking at your notes, even if it's just three or four words that you took or maybe just a, a summary. Again, I quite like to do a summary. I, I always like to kind of say, what's the one thing? Because otherwise I tend to be overwhelmed with loads of stuff, loads of ideas. But what's the one thing that God's spoken to me on Sunday morning or on Sunday evening? What's the one thing that I can take? And then to just ponder and sit with God and listen and pray for change and pray for those areas. And maybe plan, maybe just again, do one thing to say, if let's say this morning we've been convicted about or encouraged about generosity, you know, how about praying that God will show us how can we practically be generous and with whom? One thing, maybe one person we could be generous with, one person we could give our time this week. What's the spirit of God saying? So there's that sense of reflection that is so important. And then last one is discussion. Again, my dream is that as you drive home uh, as a family, there's a little bit of a conversation about it. And uh, I hope I remember, I vividly remember hearing one of the great preachers talking one time saying, oh, one of the Christian family's favorite pastime is roasting the pastor on their way home, you know, talking about he's missed this and he's done this and he said this. And, you know, I, I hope our conversations are not like that. It'd be fantastic to think that just as the disciples on the road to Emmaus talked to one another and encouraged one another, that we do the same as a result of the message as a family and as conversation and maybe just that time so I think discussion is really important. I think also it's great to think about the conversations we're going to have in the connect groups. You know, what are some of the questions or what are some of the ways you've been personally empowered or maybe how can the group help you as you desire to grow in, in Christ-likeness in this? And last but not least, discussion with a preacher. There's no greater thing that gives a preacher encouragement and a sense of being spurred on in preparation than to hear very pointed, specific ways in which God's word through God's spirit has spoken to people, either encouraging or challenging or equipping. That's, that's such fuel for preparation and for ministry, for better preaching. So that's part of the discussion. And I think we just need to, to grow in, in that confidence of what God's word can do in all of this. I remember reading, reading a tweet um, about two or three months ago by Matt Smithhurst that really grabbed me. And he said this, he was speaking to youth leaders, um, but I think it applies to any, any uh, leaders and preachers. He says, youth leaders don't undersell your students. They're learning algebra and biology and trigonometry in school. Trust me, they can handle some theology. And I think this, this is the thing, I think in the days that we live in, we as preachers have become probably quite nervous about 
and, and, and our confidence in, in preaching and God's word is dented. But I think we, we, we need to be bolder in expecting God's word to work in tremendous way to bring transformation. So my hope is that those six things, expectation, preparation, attention, application, reflection and discussion will just help us as we listen to sermons to actually have a seed that falls on good ground and brings fruit hundredfold.